Now, we're in this series that's called, I Said This, You Heard That. And every time I hear that title, I think, he said this, she heard that, and he's stupid, but because often we say stupid things as men. But we've been talking about the power of our words, the fact that words have the power of life and death. And we're told that through the scriptures, and you and I have just experienced that in our lives. Last week, we said that on average, we speak about 16,000 words a day. Now, some of you say way more than that. Some of you say less, but on average, 16,000 words a day or enough words to fill a hundred books in a year's time. Now, maybe if you're a mom or a dad, but probably a mom of young kids, you'd say, yeah, I write that many books, but the normal phrases in my books are do not run in the house, use your inside voice, respect your brothers, and don't eat your boogers, right? That would be the words you say over and over and over to your two-year-old or your five-year-old or maybe your husband that you, you, know, you live with. But words are so powerful, and if we use this many words in a day, we have to realize that some of our words are not quite so healthy. It's so interesting that research has told us, you've experienced, we've seen in our world, that for every one word, we talked about this last week, that builds us up, encourages us, points us in the best direction we can, we will typically hear, and this is what research says, and there's lots of research on this, we will hear usually six words that are negative or complaining or have a connotation that puts us in a negative direction in our lives. So if I hear something that points me towards Jesus or points me towards something good or being the best man I can be, I'm going to probably hear on average as a normal human being six words of complaint, criticism, or negativity. Or at least things are not, that are not helpful at all. And when you step back and you look at our world and you realize all the toxic environments that we have in our workplace, in our families, in our nation, I wonder how much of it comes from words. Now, this is not just um, bad words or mean words. It's all words that are not useful to us. The Apostle Paul, and this is the passage we've been talking about a lot, tells us in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. He says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. So this is what he's talking about, unwholesome talk. But only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. Now there's four parts to this particular passage. Last week we talked about three. We're going to finish the last one today. But basically the Apostle Paul in this phrase unwholesome words breaks this down into two types of words. We talked about this last week. Unhelpful words and unhealthful words. Unhelpful words would be words that are useless or not beneficial. And unhealthful words would be words that are bad or harmful or toxic. Now, just thinking about it, you would say, yeah, it's so obvious I shouldn't use these kind of words. It just makes so much sense. The challenge for you and the challenge for me is we don't use this in everyday life. We don't think about this when we interact with people, how we're speaking to them. Now next week, now hang on, because next week we're going to talk about this word category called unhealthful words. Words that are toxic, words that are brutal to people. And I don't want you to miss next week just because we're going for you know, the hard category. We all need to hear this. But what we know, whether it's unhealthful or unhelpful, there's a source for both, and it's our temperament. And our temperament determines the words that you speak and the words that I speak. And your temperament, as we said last week, is a little bit different than your personality. Your personality was what birth order you were in in your family. It's the household you grew up in. It's the religion you were taught growing up. But your temperament 
as research has shown us, is just your hardwiring that God has given you. And all throughout Scripture, it talks about the way God has created us as individuals. And our temperament affects what we say, it affects how we say it, and as importantly, it affects what we hear. Now, last week we introduced this to you, these four terms, they're Greek terms, but we talk about them in terms of colors that people are in their temperament. And we offered an assessment to everybody that was watching online. And we had an overwhelming response to this assessment to learn your temperament. We actually have over 500 people that have taken this assessment as of last week. And here's what it looks like. Here are the four colors, red, yellow, green, red, blue, green, and yellow. And the response we got back is about 23% of our church are reds, which is so interesting. We'll talk about what a red is. In fact, if you're tuning in for the first time and you have no idea what these colors mean, I'm going to explain them to you in just a second. So hang on. But about 23% of our church or whoever took the assessment are red. About 23% are blue, so that's even in that way. And a bigger number, 39% are green. And what really surprised me is we only have 14% of our church and viewers from last week that were, were yellow. Now, I just assumed we'd have more yellows around here, but maybe it's because we live in Northwest Ohio. We're all a little more conservative. I'm not sure in those, in those things. And then I thought maybe, maybe our yellows started taking the assessment and they got halfway through it and a school ran up a tree outside and they just got distracted and never came back and finished it. So that is totally possible. But this is fascinating in the makeup of all of you out there. Now, to give you a refresher on what these colors mean, I just wanted to show you this quadrant. Now, we have yellows over here. The Greek term for that is sanguine, but we're just going to call them yellows. They speak the language of people and fun. The reds, which I am one, but I'm wearing my blue shirt today because I'm standing with my blue brothers and sisters out there as far as your personality and temperament go. Our reds speak the language of power and control. Our greens speak the language of calm and harmony. And our blues speak the language of perfection and order. And just to remind you, when it comes to how you process things, how you work through stuff in your life, if you're a yellow or you're a red, you're more of the extroverted side of things, which means you process things out loud and you tend to like to process them with other people. If you are a blue or a green, you love to process in an introverted kind of way by yourself with quiet time so you can think through things on your own. Now, when it comes to people and interacting and just being with people, if you're a yellow or you're a green, you love the people. You love the party. You love hanging out. You want to be with people. But if you're a red or you're a blue, man, you would rather do tasks than hang around people. You'd rather get stuff done by yourself than have to do with a whole bunch of people that get in your way. Now, again, no color is better than another color. It just leads us to understand that we're different people. And if I am a yellow and someone I'm working with or live with or do life with is a blue, I got to understand that we're different people and understand how they operate and they need to understand how I operate. Now, with that said, I thought I would give you some memes to have you guess to see which meme goes with what color. So at home, I want you to get ready. We're going to play this little game together. And you can even write it in the chat box next to whatever platform you're watching, which one you think it is. But you're going to have to play fast and move fast because it can't take too much time on this. But when I show you this meme, it's this young gal having the time of her life. And she says, procrastination is totally a good thing. You always have something to do tomorrow. Plus, you have nothing to today. 
what color do you think she is? You can just say it out loud. Now, I'm going to give you a hint um, real quick. There's two predominant colors. There's a blue color and a red color in this picture. It's neither one of those, okay? So it's either a yellow or it's a green. Just to get us going, say it out loud. Yeah, it's a green. This is a green. Procrastination. We can get it tomorrow. Let's do something more fun today. Let's look at our next meme. This person says, oh, I don't believe in holding grudges. I do, however, remember the facts forever. Feel like there's a little power in that statement? What would you, color would you say this person is? Say it out loud right now. Yeah, it's a red. This is a person's red. They, they move from a place of strength and authority, and they're not afraid to confront things. Okay, Here, here's our next one. This person would just simply say, dude, you're in my personal space. Some of you are in your personal space at home because someone's sitting on the couch next to you, but they're four cushions down. It's still too close. You, you know who this is? This is a blue. For the blues that you know, are around our church, you heard we were regathering, and you're like, well, that's good for everybody else, but you're so happy just to be at home with your cup of coffee in your living room, and maybe your wife's okay to have around or a kid or two, but that's all you want because that's just your wiring. This is the funnest one, I think. I'm the last one. If I had a dollar for every time I got distracted, I wish I had some ice cream. You know what that is? There's only one left. Yeah, that's a yellow. Now, I show you that because I just want us to understand all of the different temperaments that roll around in our lives. It's so interesting. I said last week when I took the assessment that I hope you take if you haven't, it took me about 12 minutes and a whole bunch of people started texting me and sending me messages like, hey man, I did an eight and I did it in five minutes. And they're mostly red because they're competitive and they're like me, they were sure what they thought and they powered through it. Then I had a few blue people that said, it took me an hour and 20 minutes to take that assessment because I wanted to make sure it was right and it was detailed. Then I went back and checked all my answers. And it's just because we're different people. And here's the deal. Our differences make us beautiful, but it also makes life so much more complicated. And it's always a choice how to deal with the complicated differences in our lives. And here's what's true about, I think, all of us, that your temperament, my temperament, it determines the words that you speak. Now, again, there's no excuses because we can't use who we are to hurt other people, but we do need to understand ourselves. Now, if you didn't get a chance to take the assessment last week, I would love for you to do this because we're offering this assessment for free. And I just have to pause for a second. The reason we're able to offer this assessment for free to everybody that's watching online is because we got a whole bunch of generous people that support our church. And we were able to take some of our resources and provide a free resource that we have found already to be super helpful for 500 plus people. So I just want to thank the generous people that support our church because it's a huge deal. But if you weren't here last week or you missed taking the assessment, you can still take it. All you have to do is text, because we use this a lot around here. You text the word LIFEHOUSE to 21000, and on your device, you'll be able to take the assessment. It's really kind of cool. Or you can click on the little um, thing in your chat bar that will take the link that'll take you right to it. And the reason we're offering this to you is not just so we can act like we're smarter people or self-help stuff. We're actually trying to figure out this imperative that was given to us by the Apostle Paul when he said, do not let any unwholesome talk, because that's the challenge, isn't it? We don't want unwholesome talk in our life because it hurts people. Come out of your mouth, which means you got to have a filter. 
You gotta have a governor on what you say. Like when you're around people and you just wanna say what's ever on your mind or you're angry or you're upset, that's where you go, okay, I need to put the filter on. I need a governor on my words. It's what your mama told you. Watch what you say. But how do you know what to say that are the right things? Well, that's what we gotta figure out. Because communication is always gonna be a series of choices if we communicate well or we can communicate in a way that's hurtful. For me, I would just tell you as a strong red with a yellow secondary that can say a lot of things, I need to say about 20% of what I'm actually thinking. And when I'm healthy, I'm saying what about 20% of what I'm actually thinking. And if I just open the floodgates up and when I'm in an angry place or a tired place and an unhealthy place, I can hurt a lot of people. The Apostle Paul says, do not let any, un- let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. You see, when it comes to our temperament, temperament doesn't only help us understand what words we use. Your temperament determines the words you need to hear also. This is why this can help in a relationship so much. Now, last week, we learned that certain words certainly have an impact in a positive way and can have an impact in a negative way. And you've experienced this when you meant to say something to somebody somebody that was positive and helpful. And like, you had the best intentions, didn't you? You had the best intentions, but it's like every time you tried to say the right words because you didn't know what to say, you just kept saying things and you watched your, you know, your 15-year-old slunk down in his chair or your wife just pull away from you because they needed to hear words that were meaningful to them, not that were meaningful to you. So I thought I would take just a second and read through some words that we think each of those different temperaments need to hear. So check this out. If you're a yellow, the words you most likely need to hear are words of approval. It's just true. Are words of acceptance, are words of attention, and words of affection. That's what a yellow needs to hear. Now here's just a little secret. If you're sitting next to a yellow and you want to be closer to them, those are the words that can help draw you closer. Those are the words that can help live out this thing that Paul has called us to do. If you're red, you need to hear the words of loyalty or a sense of control, appreciation for your individual gifts, credit for your work. It's just the nature of a red. If you're green, you need harmony and peace. You need feelings of worth. You need lack of stress. That's a really big deal. And you need respect in your life. If you're a blue, you need lots and lots and lots of safety. I'm married to a blue or a person that's partly blue. She needs lots of safety sensitivity, support, and space and silence, space and silence. When that door gets shut to the bedroom and there just needs some space and silence, just back up and let them have space and silence. Now here's the question that Paul's posing to us, I think, and challenging us with when it comes to all these needs. How, how do you know what words would be unwholesome to another person? Now the answer flows through temperament. And here's the answer. Anytime... You speak words that work against what their temperament needs. So if they need something, you speak against it, you have the tendency to push them back, 
push them then into a corner. And here's the challenge for all of us. To to you and to me, those words feel good, whatever they might be. And for me as a red, I mean, those words feel powerful and they feel right and they feel just. Meanwhile, my son or my daughter, one of my employees, somebody I love, you know, my mother is a pile of mush in the corner, broken hearted, right? And that's true of all relationships. Think about the people that are just different than you in your life, a child, a Spouse, coworker, there's impact. And here, here's the thing that would be beautiful, all of us. What would happen if there began to be a disproportionate amount of words that were positive, that built people up, they were, that were words that they needed to hear? What kind of impact would that make in all of our lives? Even if just us, the people that we follow Jesus and we think his words are important, what if we decided literally to bring heaven down? Which may be a new thought for you, but listen, in this world, it just feels like right now we need to bring heaven down and all of its love and all of its joy and all of its peace. What if by doing this, we could just bring heaven down into people's lives instead of what, we, what comes natural for us, and that's to bring hell up. Now here's what's fascinating. When you look through the New Testament and read what it says, there are all these encouragements, orders, commandments of loving other people and putting other people first. Mark, one of the people that recorded the history of Jesus, recorded what Jesus said when he said, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served. I did not come, Jesus said, to pull the king card on you. I did not come to look for everybody to bring me everything I wanted. Instead, but to serve, that's what I came for. And to give my life or his life away as a ransom for many. When God saw your biggest need and he saw my biggest need, he said, listen, I'm laying down who I am for them. I I don't know why he did that other than he loves us. It doesn't make any sense. It shouldn't have happened, but he did it because he cares for you so very much. Paul says this to us. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. In other other words, put others first. When you have something to say, just don't use your thoughts, your points, your opinions. Do not think you just have to be right. Rather, the Apostle Paul says. Next slide. In humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. And this doesn't mean you're not valuable. Of course you're valuable. Just elevate other people's value above your own in the way that you treat them. In premarital counseling, I love to talk to husbands about this passage that says, you husbands, me husbands, live with your wives according to knowledge. I'm convinced this is what, this is what Peter is saying. Be a student of your wife. Figure out what builds her up what speaks life into her. Figure out how that you can help communicate value and strength to her. And of course, wives, you should do the same thing for your husbands. But Peter looks husbands in the the eye and says, do this. When you put all this together, this is the implication that we should be speaking according to the temperament of, you gotta fill in the blank. Who's in your blank today? Or what people are in your blank? Because it changes every conversation. It energizes when you're speaking according to the temperament of your son, your daughter, your wife, your mom, a coworker. It changes every conversation, it inspires them, it brings value versus what comes so natural to us is we can demoralize and hurt each other. And there is an imperative all throughout the New Testament to build each other up. 
and not tear them down. So I thought I would give you just a couple more, you know, hopefully insights on how to do that for the different colors and temperaments in your life. So we go to this, um, the temperaments of the yellow. Here's a few ways just to build them up if you're looking for specifics. Listening to their stories, that's important to a yellow. Making eye contact when they're talking. Being positive, matching their enthusiasm, but you might tear them down if you're just always so serious. If you're demanding perfection, I mean, you're going to jack a yellow up. I got some yellow in me. It messes me up when people want perfection. Shaming them, stop, you you know, you're embarrassing me. You say that to them in public or even in private, it just rips their heart out. Your, Your spouse takes you on a spontaneous date, and so say maybe you're a, you're a red or you're a blue, and you t- you're on a spontaneous date and it's going pretty well. You want to steal the life out of a date. Say, hey, you know, this date's good, but it would have been a whole lot better if we would have planned it out. And just watch them, you know, just shrink into a pile of goo next to you. Now, when it comes to a blue, blue, there's a few ways to build them up. Um, noting and responding when they need support. That's a huge thing you can do for a blue. Keeping their secrets, encouraging their creativity, that inspires them. But you may tear them down by dismissing their emotions, by not giving them enough, all the details, infringing on their space and silence. Do not mess up a blue space and silence. If you're a yellow leader that works with a blue and a blue comes in with their systems and their research and you don't pay attention to it and you say something like this, I know you've done all that work, but here's what my gut's saying to a blue. A blue would just want to pull their hair out and they'll be demoralized by that and they'll find it offensive. And I work with a couple blues directly and so I've got to watch that as they watch out for my temperament traits. Now when it comes to a green, green's so interesting. The few ways to build up a green is letting them, letting them do one task at a time, being kind in your criticism, be real careful with that, asking their thoughts, opinions, and feelings. That will build up a green, but you'll tear them down possibly by expecting things done on your timeline and not theirs, pushing their involvement or in action with others when they're not ready, and not listening when they need to speak up. Listen, if you got a green child and you're a red mom barking orders at your kids to get out of bed right now, your green child is not going to respond well. As a green dad I, or a red dad, I have found that when I want a green child to respond, I got to take it slow and quiet. And even though I'm so excited that we're going to the zoo or we're going camping or we're going to do something fun, I can steal the fun away from my green child by pushing them too hard. And again, it comes back to, am I willing to to figure out and work on how I speak a language that, that they understand. Now, for some of you, I just want to touch on this, maybe you have a red boss. And maybe when you think about the temperament of your red boss, the only image that comes to mind is this image. Terrifying, isn't it? Now, I would say maybe your boss has some anger problems. Maybe your boss is mean, but maybe also He's got some needs or she's got some needs. For example, here's how you you build up a red, especially if they're your boss, but a red in general, by giving them something to be in control of, recognizing their work and encouraging their intellect. But you can tear them down by making decisions for them, not doing what you say you will do, embarrassing them in front of other people. That will just feel so disrespectful to a person that's wired like a red. Now, all these things that we're talking about are good relationships and good for relationships. 
But here's the deal. It also helps us fulfill this command, this imperative that the Apostle Paul called us to. And now when we look at the scripture and go back to Ephesians 4.29, we got to figure out the why and the purpose of why Paul said all of this. Because he said, to read it in its entirety, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. In other words, think about them, not just your desires, your opinions, the point you want to make, but think about other people. And then he goes on, that, this is a great little word, and anytime you're reading the scriptures and you see the word that, just know what's about to come most likely is going to be the reason that everything else has been said already. So Paul says all this, he says that, and here's the reason for all that, that it may benefit, what a great word, those who listen. And this little word benefit is actually two Greek words. And the two Greek words look like these two Greek words. One is didymi, which means to give or administer, like you administer medication for a remedy. And the other is charis, which simply means grace. We talk about grace a lot around here. It's to give people something they don't deserve, but they most likely need. Now, the reason we decide to administer grace to people Because administering grace comes alongside what God is doing. And when we come along aside to what God is doing and speak what people need to hear and speak to what builds that up, we're actually speaking the language of grace, which means we're joining God in what he's doing. We're giving people what they need. And we're all called to be ministers if we're followers of Jesus. Not if you're a pastor, not if you're on church staff. All of us are called to minister grace to people, which means reconnect people to God and reconnect people to other people. So Paul is simply saying in all situations, apply grace because the purpose is to build them up. The question is, how are you using your words to build up? And again, you got to fill in the blank because you know who's in your life according to their needs. Now, as you think about this, there's basically three groups of people I want you to think about in your brain, pray about, and think about how you can do this with. The first is, is a circle, and it's a small circle, and it's your inner circle. It's your family. Maybe you got a few friends. You'd call them family in this. It's your wife, your husband, your kids, your mom, but everybody in this circle, they need grace. The question is, how are you ministering grace to the people in this circle? The second circle, second circle is your intentional circle with friends and coworkers. It's people you come in contact with weekly or daily. These people are valuable to you. You spend time with, let me ask you this, what kind of words are we, are you, am I giving the people in my circle that I come in contact to often? How are those relationships governed by what I say and what I don't say? And how have I created a culture in that circle, in both those circles, That's either healthy or toxic. For me, one of my intentional groups is my small group at church. It's my community group. And we met last night, and we went through who's got what color going on in their lives. We had so much fun in our community group talking about it and sharing it. And like, I I see that in you, and you see that in me, and here's how we can be better. And I would just say this. If you don't have a number two circle of a group in your life, like a community group at LifeHouse, you might be missing out because it is a powerful experience. In our group, we had six reds and two non-reds. And I thought, man, for the people that aren't red in our group, good luck because this is a wild and woolly group. This is an important group in all of our lives. But the third group, the third group is a bigger circle. It's our influence circle. 
It's our social circle. It's our acquaintances. It's broader. It's a place where we have a great opportunity to shine light and bring impact. Now, here's what you got to know. When it comes to this last circle, there's a delayed effect. It's a little bit like dropping a stone in the water, and the effect takes a while to get out because you just don't spend as much time with people in this last group as you do in the first. But if we watch our words, we have the chance to affect everyone in our broader network. So isn't that fascinating? Isn't that great as that, how that works out in our world? And here's what I think. Jesus did this so very well. He decided to measure every one of his words in the way it would bring grace and truth. And you and I have been entrusted to be stewardships of our relationships, to bring grace, to have a language of grace. And maybe you're in a culture that you've created or you at least helped create it. And it's not so healthy right now. This is where it could be different. You could have a language of grace when it comes to your social networking. When you go to work tomorrow, language of grace. Please, please, please think about having a language of grace in your social media. And here's the challenge for those of us that are Christians. Now, if you're not, you get to work through what to do with this. But for those of us that are Christians, here's the challenge. Sometimes our words, they're supposed to be full of grace, do not look very different than culture's words and how we act and how we respond and our language just looks like everyone else's language. But Jesus, because this is all about Jesus, has entrusted us to something better. And I'm convinced that when Jesus showed up, he showed up bringing the language of grace and truth together. And he never, he never let go of one to emphasize the other, but he was able to put it together so well. It's like he would tell truth wrapped in so much grace that people wanted to hear. Years ago, I was in a car with a friend, and he knew that I have a red personality, a big personality, a strong personality. He looks at me, and he says, hey, um, can I say something direct to you? And I'm a red, so I'm like, yeah, I love directness. Just bring it. Just tell me. He said, do you think, do you think people in your life are ever afraid of you? Like your kids, people that work for you? Do you think they're ever afraid of you? I'm like, no, they're not. I, I just, I'm just me. He said, hey, I've noticed with some of your relationships, as I've observed, Sometimes you make people afraid of you. And it was like new news to me. And it was heartbreaking news. But he told me in a way that I could understand. And all of a sudden I started thinking about my kids and my people I love and my wife. And it started to work on me. And it's taken a long time to work on changing that. And I'm still working on changing that. But change is happening because of that conversation that I will never forget. And you know who benefited from that conversation? I benefited from that conversation because it was truth wrapped in a lot of grace. He cared for me. He cared about the people in my life. You know who else benefited from that conversation? My children, my spouse, the people that work for me and work with me. And it's that idea that we can bring truth and grace and we got to bring truth to people's lives. No denying that. But when it's wrapped in the right kind of grace, people listen and they change as God's spirit moves them in a better direction. It's the language of grace. And here's the challenge for us, those of us that follow Jesus. How can we do that better? Now, for some of you, you would say, Matt, I'd love to do that, but no one has ever spoken those kind of words to me. I don't even know where to begin. And if you're a follower of Jesus, I would say, I think you might have missed something because God has spoken those words to you. And what I want to do in the next few moments to wrap up this message, I just want to read to you the words of grace and truth that God has spoken to you. And if you're watching today and you're not a Christian, these are the words and this is the life that God has invited you 
into. So if I could just humbly submit that if you're a follower of Jesus, this is what Jesus says to you. You are holy, you are chosen, and you are blameless. You are forgiven, not forsaken. That's what we found in 1 John. You have been set free from the law of sin and death. Romans 8, 2, Galatians 5, 1. You, you are no longer a slave to sin. You are redeemed. You are not condemned. That's what God says about you. That's the truth and grace about you in your life as a follower of Jesus. You're a new creation. You have been made complete in Christ. You are formerly darkness, which we know is true about us if we follow Jesus. But now you are in the light of the Lord. This is generous. You're a saint. Do you know that? That's literally what Paul says about you in Jesus. You're a saint. And for some of us, we feel like that's the most generous statement of all time. But that's what's spoken over you today. Paul says, for the record, I, would, I wouldn't have gone that far. You were far away, brought near by the blood of Christ. In other words, I'm not lying. It's just the truth about you. You are God's workmanship. You were created for a purpose, on purpose. You have been given God's spirit to guide you and comfort you. You're accepted. Maybe that's what you need to hear today. You are accepted. And you are welcomed. You are welcomed as a citizen of heaven. You are no longer a slave, but an adopted child and an heir of God. You are blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. And my friends, that is just a sample of what God says about you as a child of God. Oh my gosh, he loves you so much. You have any idea what you mean to God. And he has gone out of his way to speak to you in a way that you would understand it. Now here's the challenge, though. Then he says through his you know, apostle Paul, don't use unwholesome words, but build people up according to the needs so they could grow and be like Jesus. And we have an opportunity to take what's been spoken into us and give it away this week. So let's figure out how we can do this. We can love better and have healthier relationships and push the toxicity out of our lives. In just a second, I'm going to pray for you and with you. And then we're going to sing this really great song about running to our Heavenly Father. And I hope you can lean into him and then be filled up and figure out how you can give that away to other people in your life. It's going to take work. It's going to take the help of the Spirit of God. But we can do this. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I'm so grateful for this challenge, this encouragement, this love pushed by the Apostle Paul to love other people well with our words. Lord, this is never going to be easy, but I thank you that you're helping us get a handle on it today. Lord, let's, let's take all we've learned. Give us the strength to take all we've learned through the scriptures, through who we are, how we are created, how messed up we are, and figure out how to be loved and love other people. And for that one fill-in-the-blank name that maybe all of us have thought about, that one person, we need to change the direction of our conversations. Help us to figure out how to do that today. Thanks for loving us greatly, Jesus. It's in your name I pray. Amen.